always have to take off my tie because my throat expands a little bit. So give me a little breathing room right there. Take that tie off. And so uh, get ready for uh, preaching of the Word of God. We, uh, We just want you to understand something that I'm not here just to give you something to to fill in for another Sunday. Pastor Rodney and those that speak are brethren. We're not just filling slots. We're trying our best to give the Word of God that's going to encourage and strengthen and help and correct and instruct in righteousness in our life. And so we hope you take it that way. We hope that uh, the Lord will just minister to each one of you this morning kind of God arranged something today and you'll find out just exactly how this plays out as we uh, get to the end of the service that God arranged something you know God arranges things sometimes do you know that we always like to quote that steps of a good man are ordered of God right but then we forget sometimes that the Lord puts things together and for a purpose and a cause. And so uh, this morning, the Lord has a cause and a purpose. If you would turn with me into the book of Luke, and we'll be reading out of the 14th chapter of the book of Luke. And my, uh, my thought this morning is that we need a little more hate in the kingdom. We need a little bit more hate spread around in the kingdom. So we're going to work on that a little bit. You'll understand once we get going here. You'll understand. So in the uh, 14th chapter, and uh, we'll be reading from the 28th verse, and then we'll jump over to the 33rd verse. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has sufficient to finish? And I want to go to 33. So then, every one of you who does not abandon All his possessions is not able to be my disciple. We got to do something with that. It just, Pastor, that's got to mean something else. Shall we read it again? You know, so just so we get this, this full impact of this. So that everyone, that would be everyone sitting here this morning for sure. Every one of you who does not abandon all his possessions is not able to be my disciple. Now, I've read through this a number of times in my life. And uh, always I kind of just like, pass it off. Well, that was probably for the Jewish people, is what he's, what he's doing. No, we're coming back. We're centralizing now that, that the rabbi's teaching was for the church. So we're going central with that now. Uh, you know, the, the, the time-slotting things. You know, like I heard somebody say, take up your cross and follow him. Well, we don't need to do that anymore because he took up his cross. No, no, no. no, no. If you want to be his disciple. And I don't think that's just a Jewish disciple. I don't think that's back then, but I think all of the words of the rabbi are relevant. Can the church agree with me? Say amen. The words of the rabbi are relevant, or we take this book, shut it, and just preach whatever we think. And that's going on a lot. So we're going to have to work with this a little bit, and, and the Lord help us. Um, I need some more hate spread around in the kingdom. So, Lord, help us out with it. Lord, we just thank you this morning, your goodness, your glory, your blessing. Lord, and the things that you spoke directly about, 
may seem to be difficult. It may seem, Lord, like um, we want to pass that off to somebody else. But, Lord, I just know, God, that you've given your word. You've said it. You're rabbi. You're the teacher. You're the master. You're the one who knows life. You said that you're the one who gives life. You are the way, the truth, and the life. So what you say is life. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray that you would anoint us to, to speak and anoint us to hear. We'll give you the glory. Amen. And so most of us think that God's kingdom is blessing, social equality, unconditional love, unmerited favor, and away we go. It's just, a, you know, God's kingdom is almost like Disneyland. It just, he's sort of Mickey Mouse running around through the kingdom, and it's just joy. Just get another ride. Take another, it's just good entertainment for everybody, and that's not the picture of the kingdom of God at all. This difficult to see the things of God when we view the kingdom of God in this way. But modern day scribes, and Jesus, I said last week, because uh, the Lord talked about this, that the scribes, they didn't want to enter in, but they didn't want anybody else entering in either. And that's exactly what is going on in this day. They don't want to come into the kingdom through the straight door, through the straight gate. And they're not wanting anybody else to come in either. And so they have polluted the gospel, corrupted the gospel, perverted the kingdom, and turned it into a self-serving, sensuous mess. Now, it's not our job to sit here and straighten everything out that's going on in the world and in other places. But it is our job to preach this gospel that we'll understand it in a way that we can relate to our rabbi, say amen. And so Rabbi Jesus, his opinion is the one that matters. How many believes that his opinion is above all opinions? That what you think doesn't matter. I'm sorry. What you think, what you have to bring to the table doesn't matter. He sets the table. He doesn't need what we have. He doesn't need our opinion. He's the one that sets it up. And so his way, and I've been, you know, I am hard-headed. Is anybody else here hard-headed? I'm hard-headed. And it takes God, you just hear that song, sometimes it takes a mountain. Sometimes it takes, you know, disaster in my life so I can hear him. But over the course of years, I have come to understand that the Lord's way is the right way. It will come out right. Your life will be good. You, you will have peace and joy of the Spirit of God in your life if you do it His way. And it just... It's just hard to go down that hard-headed road sometimes thinking that my opinion and my way is really the right way and, and the Lord's way is good, but I have opinions about it. And so the Lord continues to correct us because he didn't come bringing peace. Oh, that's what he said. I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring what? A sword. And he is wielding that sword, and it is bringing division and hate. I know that everybody likes to quote, God is love. And I can't find this exact quotation in the Bible, but I'm going to reassure you this morning, God is love and God is hate. There's some things he hates. I know, you know, well, it's just so much. Let's just jump on the bandwagon and just talk about all God is love. Yes, he is loving and kind. Yes, he is the good shepherd. Yes, he is the one that cares for us. He is the one that watches over us. But let us not forget the full character of God. Because in the full character of God, you're going to see that God has some anger over some things, and it's called wrath. And he's not happy about some things. Do you know that God gets angry? Do you know that God has certain factors about his character that we really can identify with is that God gets mad about some stuff. And just to think that, well, you know, we, we kind of pass that off to the Old Testament because the Old Testament God was mean. 
And he just went, you know, and just killing people and, and causing the people of Israel to wipe up all just a mean, mean God. But when we get to Christ, I'll tell you what, we have got to lovey-dovey now. He's the one who just overlooks everything. He doesn't worry about nothing. There is no concern with him. He doesn't care who you are, what you are. He just loves, loves, loves. And I'm going to have to destroy that in front of us this morning that God says in the Scripture, some things are abomination to him. The simple definition of an abomination is God hates it. Can God love? Yes, God can love. Can God hate? Yes, he can hate. And so we, we are compelled as Christians. This is not a choice. You must love what he loves. Amen. And you must hate what he hates in order to be his disciple. Now, a few times in this, and, and I'm going to go back here because Pastor Rodney brought this sobering message um, out of verse 26 out of this same chapter. And if you didn't hear that, you, you have not heard the, the forerunner to this message about hate. Is that in comparison to God, everything else falls under hate. Because he's first in our life. Can you say amen? Everything about him, his goodness, his kingdom, his glory, serving him comes first in our life. And then the Lord allows us, I like to see it this way, God has an umbrella. And under that umbrella, we have a certain ability to function. And he allows us certain things under that. But he always remains top over us. And there is nothing that goes to the top. Family doesn't go to the top. Mother, father, brother, sister, wife, children do not go to the top. He's at the top always. And if we look up and see where he is, and there's a division between him and us, and that's wife, husband, children, whatever, father, mother, those things must fall under hate. And Pastor Ronnie just did a beautiful job about that. But I've got some more to add to that. So loving the things that he loves, hating the things that he, compared to the Lord, we must hate all other people and things. Isn't that beautiful? I'm releasing you this morning to hate. Man, we have just been praying for people to get that hatred out of their heart. No, there's some things you need to hate. You better hate the life that you were in. Come on, say amen. You better hate that mess or you're going to end up back there again. If there's any love in your heart for that mess, if there's any love in your heart that separates you, whether that's friends, family, whatever, from the love of God, and it's a separation to that you must hate. Amen. Now I want to look at verse 28 where Jesus said this, and I know you, you already know this, <clears throat> but I, I, I just, so that you can tell somebody else. Don't even begin to follow Jesus without having counted the cost. Come on, everybody, we've got a few people nodding. I want everybody to nod this morning. You cannot follow him without counting the cost. That's why, my friend, the raise your hand and repeat after me prayer is not going to work. <clears throat> There's a cost to serving the Lord. There's some things that you're going to have to separate and hate in your life in order to serve. Jesus said of these things, he, he made this comment many times, if you don't do this, you cannot, you are not able to be my disciple. So don't try and follow the Lord if you haven't counted the cost. I've had too many people over the years, been pastor in a long time. A lot of people have jumped on the bandwagon and they're ready to go, but they didn't count the cost in their life and they didn't finish it up. If you don't have sufficient to finish it up, well, what is that sufficient? That I'm going with him no matter what happens in my life, good, bad, uh, 
great things happen and glorious things happen or cataclysmic things happen in my life, if all hell fires out against me, if, if all glory happens in my life, I'm still going to serve Jesus Christ. And with that, with that heart and with that thought, knowing that the cost may be great sometime, knowing that it is going to be some things that you're going to have to hate in your life, you will have sufficient to finish this thing. I know that we're all here right now this morning. Brother Elder Cox said a thing. And at the time, I didn't like it. We were at a men's convocation, and that is... uh, a time where we just separated. We went to a cabin, and uh, there we took a couple of days. We fasted and prayed. We, we uh, studied the Word of God. And Brother Cox, Elder Cox, it was his cabin. He got up. Brother Mike Cox's dad, some of you know Mike Cox, his dad, got up and said, Brothers, I love you. I'm so glad that you're here. But I want you to know that at least half of you will not finish. Half of you will fall away. And I was, what a discouraging word. I mean, we're here, most were preachers. Preachers, youth directors, associate pastors, teachers, that's who was there. Brothers, I want you to know that at least half of you are not going to make it. And I thought, wow, that's a terrible thing to say. What if I got up here this morning and looked at you and said, I'm gonna t- I love you all, but half of you aren't going to make it. That would be terribly discouraging, wouldn't it? You'd be like the disciples. Lord, is it I? <laughs> he was exactly right. 20 years later, I look back, and I can count the men that were there that did not make it. Fell back in the world. Because they didn't have sufficient. They weren't ready. They had not counted the cost. See, the cost is not to get in a service and have a big time. It's not to run around the church. It's not to even, you know, seek some spiritual gift. That isn't the cost. The cost is your daily life. The cost is what you're going to have to do in order to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. This, you know, just joining with the crowd isn't going to work. He had a whole bunch of people there until he said some things they didn't like. And then they left. So now I'm going to let the sledgehammer fall. And so everybody okay? Say amen. All right. We're okay so far. Because we can talk about a lot of things. We can even talk about our friends and relatives and And thank you, Lord, some of them I need to hate. No, no. But, you know, there's a lot of issues we can talk about. But there's one that's going to hit us right between the eyes. And there is not a person in this this church this morning that's not going to deal with this. Even the kids are going to grow up dealing with this. When we talk about mammon, does everybody know what mammon is? It's a Greek literated, transliterated word. And we don't use it in the English, you know. Mammon doesn't really mean anything. Let me tell you what it is. It's riches, possessions. The simplest form would be money. The longest form would be this, the treasure that a person trusts in. That's what mammon is, what you trust in. And everyone here is going to deal with that. And so the Lord says this. In in chapter 16, verse 13, He says, You are unable to serve God and mammon at the same time. This gospel that's been going on for some time now, that teaches you that this prosperity business, that serving God is going to give you money, that somehow serving God is going to give you prosperity in your life is a lie from hell. The people that preach that, let me tell you why they're preaching it. They're the only ones that are prospering off of it because they're getting your money. 
and, and the big preachers that I think about these guys, I, I don't need to start, but just the other day I saw Jesse Duplantis. I, you know, the guy's funny. I like to watch him sometimes. He started out broke, but you know what he did? He got rich off the people of God, and he got rich telling people, you give to me, and God's going to prosper you. That is a lie from the devil. That is not the kingdom of God. That's an antithesis of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says you are unable to serve God and mammon at the same time. You can't do it. Don't care who you are, how favored you think you are, you cannot serve mammon, money, possessions, those things that you trust in. You can't serve those and God at the same time. And then he goes on to say, you will either love the one and hate the other. We need some hate in the kingdom. You will love the one and hate the other, or you will cling to the one and push away from the other. And so if you choose mammon, that you're going to live by mammon and, and live by possessions and live by things and live by what you trust in, and live by your paycheck and live by that kind of stuff, then you can't serve God. I'm sorry, that's his word, it's not mine. Well, that's not directed to the Jews, that's directed to the church, the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we need money to function in this world, right? We have to have money to have somewhere to live. We have to have earned money so that we may eat and feed our children and pay our bills and, and all those things that we've got, and the Lord knows that. But when we talk about money becoming central in your life, money becoming what moves you, money becoming the motivation of the things that you do, now money has become between you and who is at the top of this thing and is supposed to be the Lord Jesus Christ, but money has took a, took a place in your life and we... We serve money, and we work money, and we live for money, and we fall out with the Lord. I thought everybody would be shouting by now. This is, this is really good. We need money to live by, but compared to Him, we must hate it. That's tough because we get up every morning and go to work, right? And why are you at work? So you can exercise? You're there so you can get money. We love an increase, right? We love the, the boss to come by and say, I'm going to give you another dollar an hour. You're doing a great job. We love that. If you're in sales, you love the big sale. If you're in contracting, you love that good job, that one good job. You're always looking for that one good job that's going to come out really good. And it means so much to us. But if that's what we're serving, you don't serve God at the same time. But, look, here's how, and I, I've questioned this in my life, and I know that you have too, so listen up close. Here's how we can sell all and follow Jesus. Here's how we can abandon all of our possessions. So what does the Lord mean by this? Does He mean everybody in here, you need to sell your house and live on the street and have no possessions? Well, I don't think that's accurate because He would just create a homeless society and I don't think that's what the Lord was trying to do. But if you're home and the things that you have strove for in all your life and working mean more to you than what the Lord means in your life. You got a problem. You got a problem. Let me tell you one way that you need to go is loose yourself from the grip of money addiction. The church is full of people that are addicted to money. Let me tell you how to fix part of it. Start giving. Not with the expectation of, I'm going to get it back. 
Not the expectation of, God, I'm giving in an offering bucket this morning, but bless God, I'm going to be looking for it to come back to me, casting my bread upon the waters. This is one of uh, our pet peeves. This song comes on. I cast my bread on the waters, and I'm looking for it to come back to me. It's going to come back. And, and, and Rodney says, that's just Christian karma. We don't give believing it's going to come back. I'm not giving to God believing that when I leave out of here, somebody's going to come and hand me money. I'm not believing that. What I'm doing is I am giving away that thing which needs to be hated in my life. Well, I love money. I can't give it. We need to spread a little hate in the kingdom. See, the early church went house to house, so I know that the Lord didn't design them to all sell their houses and live on the street. They went house to house. But one man, Barmas, got it figured out. He understood, and they put it in the fourth chapter. Uh, Luke, by the Spirit of God, put it in the fourth chapter of Acts and said that Barnabas, he had a field, and he saw the need of the church, and he saw what needed to be done. And he sold that field, and he came and laid it at the feet of the apostles. See, he understood that the kingdom was worth more than that field was worth. And he had that field, that possession, but some moved in his spirit that said, the kingdom of God needs it more than I need it. And this was the real crux of what Jesus was trying to teach. I don't think he was teaching us to go broke, but I think he was teaching us to abandon that desire to have and that addiction for money to more and more and more. The 16th chapter and the 14th verse, and the Lord is talking about this all in the 16th chapter. It says, and being lovers of money, the Pharisees heard all these things and they mocked and they scoffed him. Now, if this message was to be preached this morning in a prosperity setting, they would mock that this is not the Word of God. They would scoff at it. But Jesus said this. Right answering, he retorted this. The thing highly prized among men, watch this, is an abomination to God. What's that word abomination mean again? means to hate. What's prized among men, God hates it. Because it's a separator between God and His servants. And anything that's a separator between God and His people must be dealt with with a hate towards it so that it does not take over Money lust is run amok. It's all over us. It's in our country. It's in our upbringing. It's everything we do. We lust after money. Why do you think that the state lotteries get up to, one of them I heard the other day was a billion dollars. A billion dollars. And people are running in there buying tickets, buying tickets, buying tickets. Money lost. If I could just get that money. Do you know, have you followed how many people have been destroyed by winning the lottery? Because money lust has no end to it. You can win a million, you want another million. I've always said this. Why would a person, after they reached a billion dollars, still be trying to get more money. I don't get it. It's more than they could ever spend. They can live their life in, in any way they want to. They can travel all over the world. They can do whatever they want. But they're not satisfied with a billion. I want two. And you get to two, I want five. And it never does stop because money, the love of money, does not have an ending place. It is a root of evil in the human life. So God said, it's something you're going to have to deal with in the form of hatred. Boy, I'll tell you what, it's hard for me to hate money because I know what it does for me, right? 
How many has done without money at times? Come on, raise your hand right there. How many's been broke? Been broke. It's lots of not fun. You don't like, I like money. I don't like being broke. But if you are broke and it changes your relationship with God, it's because you love money. And if you get money and it changes your relationship with him, it's because you love money. So the Lord says, oh, no, we're going to spread some hate around in the kingdom a little bit. And so in the 16th chapter, the Lord's going to relate a story. And I want you, most people have taken this story to talk about heaven and hell. And, and I want you to, to, to go with me because in this 16th chapter of Luke, he's talking of, that's where the Jews said, you know, this, they mocked him and made fun of him. And Jesus said, the things that are prized by you, God hates. And then, directly after that, he tells the story of the rich man and the beggar. A rich man and the beggar. So I want you to understand something here. This man's sins aren't listed. He is a real man. Jesus said there was a certain man. I'm going to start off that way. He didn't say... The, the kingdom of God is like unto a certain man. He said, there was a certain man. And I believe the man was a Pharisee. And I believe if he would have said the man's name, they would have known him. Because he named Lazarus a beggar. Now, they might have not known Lazarus. They didn't care about a beggar. But if he would have named one of theirs, they would have known it. But he wants to leave it open because he's going to open that up, not just for that rich man, but for everyone who feels this same way. There was a rich man who fared sumptuously. He lived in luxury. The only thing we know about him, well, we've got a couple of things. He was a Jew. Because later on he will call Father Abraham. He was a Jew. He knew the message. He knew the Old Testament. Um, and he was a very selfish, unthoughtful man that didn't care about those around him. Those are the two things that we know about him. And it wasn't for taking his neighbor's wife. It wasn't you know, for murdering somebody. That the man died and he lifted up his eyes being in hell torment. I'm going to bring this back around because if you love money, you're in trouble. Everybody happy, say amen. If you don't say, if you don't say amen, I know, I know right now I can shoot right at you. Okay. The only thing we know about this guy is that he is a Jewish man and that he doesn't care a whip about anything or anybody else. And he is living, says he is clothing in fine clothing, and he is eating delicate foods. He is just enjoying his life. And another man is thrown at his porch, who is a beggar, Lazarus. And Lazarus says, if I could just get the crumbs that fallen off his table, because he was starving to death. And this man was so hard in his heart that he would watch Lazarus starve to death, and die on his doorstep. What kind of a man is this? And so Jesus paints this picture, and this is a man that is so bound and selfish in himself that he lifts up his eyes being in hell torment. And he sees afar off Abraham, and he sees Lazarus. He knew who Lazarus was, but he let him starve to death anyway. Oh, Father Abraham, can you send Lazarus just with a one dip of water on his finger to put on my tongue because I am tormented in these flames? Abraham says back to him, the roles are switched. 
you had it easy in life, everything you wanted in life, and this man had nothing. Now he has everything, and you have nothing. This is about riches, everybody. This isn't about going out and killing your neighbor. This is about riches that had him. It consumed his life. He was all about money. He was all about possessions. He was all about having pleasure in this life. And friends, if that's the way that we're going to be as Christian people, we're going to find ourselves in trouble with the Lord. Come on, amen. And so now through this, we understand that there was a place called paradise and there was a place called Hades in which those went who who were of sinful nature and then those who were looking forward to the coming Messiah would go in paradise. Somebody said Jesus went to hell and was there three days. Well, the dimensions of hell are paradise and they are Hades. Jesus didn't go to Hades. He didn't burn for his sin. He didn't burn for our sin. He died for our sin. But he went to paradise where Lazarus was and he preached to them concerning himself and they received him and he led them out of captivity into glory. And that's another message. But it's this, this certain story that the Lord is telling here is all about being consumed with riches. And I fear for us sometimes that it's all about us. It's all about our selfish concerns. The disciples asked Jesus one thing, are all rich people going to hell? Remember that? They said, Lord, who then can be saved? Because you just talked about rich people. And Remember he had related it. It's easier for, <clears throat> for a, <clears throat> a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Have you ever wondered about that? The word, I didn't, I didn't know this, but the word for camel there, one letter, if it, if it was uh, not manuscripted exactly right, one letter in that word camel means rope. It's easier for a rope to go through the eye of a needle. I'm not good at threading needles, and the older I get, the worse I get. I mean, first I couldn't see the hole. Now I can't see the needle. You know, I can barely see the thread in my fingers. You know, that thing. But try and put a rope. So the analogy here is they are so swollen with their own pleasure and own way that there's no way to get it through that needle. And the disciples said, who then can be saved? Jesus should have, could have said at that, at that moment, at that time, we need to spread a little hate around. Everyone that loves money in comparison to God and His kingdom are going to hell. That's just a fact. It's just a fact. That's what the story was about. That's what he's telling those Pharisees. It's an abomination to me that you love money and you love possessions and you love things and you think that's highly prized and really it's just going to send you to hell. Well, see, this is kind of contrary because, you know, I really don't believe that. The Lord looks, overlooks all this stuff. No, I'm, I'm listening to the rabbi t teacher this morning. Does everybody want to hear the rabbi or do you want to hear the new ministers that are going to put you in hell? You follow them. They're going to get you there. I want to hear what the rabbi has to say. Can you say amen? Hell is full of selfish takers. That's where they end up. There's only two kinds of people in this world. Make a choice. Givers or takers. The kingdom of God is made up of liberal givers, not takers. People that are takers are not of the nature of God. People that are gimme, gimme, gimme are not of the nature of God. And if you're going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot do it 
with the taker mentality. It has to be with the giving mentality. That's why you're called a servant. Not a Lord, not a master, not one that takes, not one to give me. It all comes back to me, and it comes back to me. This is totally, like I said, this is a total antithesis of what Jesus taught. But it is to give out from us, not to take in. Can everybody say amen? So he's, you know, that, this doesn't seem right. I want the blessings of God. I want to tell you how to get a blessing. Start giving. Oh, more blessed is he that gives than the one that receives. What does that mean? Oh, it just goes right along with this message. I'm going to tell you something about giving. It releases you from the bond of money. Remember last week when we said Satan had that woman bound down for 18 years and Jesus just pulled the cord so she could be loosed from that thing? A lot of us are tied to money and need to be loosed. And the Lord will loose us when we learn how to give to Him. We learn how to care about His thing more than we care about this world and all the possessions in this world. Let me tell you something about the Jewish people, the Jewish church. They need to learn to give because they are going to, in 70 A.D., they're going to lose everything they own anyway. And look back at that and say, why didn't I give? I was going to lose it anyway. Let me tell you something. You're going to lose everything in this life anyway. You're not hanging on to nothing. It's all going by the wayside. So you need to learn how to give right now to the kingdom of God. Everybody say amen. Is anybody bored here this morning? Okay, let's go on and, and I'm going to finish right here in John. First chapter, or rather, first John, the third chapter, 70 verse. Whoever has the means of life of this world and sees his brother having a need and shuts up his, King James said, foul compassion, shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how does the love of God abide in him? I think that's pretty simple, except it, it touched me. The bowels of compassion is the gut-felt feeling. Do you ever have something just strike you in the gut? And know that you need to help. Know that you need, it just, it's hard to explain. Bowels of compassion, I mean, don't, in my gut, I felt so bad for that person. I wanted to help them. Can you along with me say amen to that? That's an emotion that God wants in your life. Don't abandon that. I'm gonna tell you, let me tell you what the devil will do about that. You'll feel a compulsion to do something. We can call it an alm. We can call it giving, a help a person. You see a brother or sister in a need, and then Satan will come along. Ah, they'll get through it. James said this in the second, second chapter of James. He said, you see a sister or a brother that is in, in need of clothing or food, and you say, brother, uh, be warmed and filled in the name of Jesus. And the love of God does not abide in you. What abides in you? The love of money. Elsewise, you would have opened your wallet and said, Brother, I'm going to help you get your coat. I'm also going to get you some food. Does everybody understand what I'm saying this morning? If we're not careful as Christian people, I mean, I, I, I'm not preaching to bad people here this morning. I'm not preaching. I'm preaching to the choir. And the, and the Lord's message here this morning is that, that we don't get stingy. That we don't get selfish. That we don't get self-serving. Because that's not going to work in the kingdom. God needs those who are serving others. God needs those who are loving and helping. Does that mean that you should sell everything you have and give it away? No, it doesn't mean that. But what it means is, listen, my little children, verse 18, John 1, uh, 1 John third chapter 18 verse. My little children, let us not love in words, neither in speech. Rather, in action 
and reality. That's what these two words mean. The deed there comes from uh, ergo, work, and truth, aletheus, really means reality. And so talking about it does nothing. Saying, oh, God, I just wish that that person would, boy, just things need to work out for him. No, you do it in action, and in reality, you help. You help that person. You, you, you allow the love of God to course through you. you. You allow His goodness to come through you in action and reality to what God puts in your gut to do. Can you say amen? This church body has been so faithful to follow these godly precepts and concepts action and reality we've really done that here one thing i believe in i i think when you get a couple of thousand people church it all drops off it doesn't work that way you know we'll send you over to a department over there and they you know no nobody's connected nobody you see your brother sister in need no you don't have to do that send them down to you know down to the clothing center somewhere that's good no no that's not what god wants out of you that's talk God wants action and reality out of our life. Can you say amen? And so, I have preached this whole sermon this morning with something laying so heavy on my heart. I don't know if you remember Pablo and Thelma. Pablo and Thelma have been workers with Prince of Peace we took our offering this morning. We've helped them. We have helped uh, promote them a lot of years. He's been with, I talked to Darren the other day, and Darren said he'd been with them um, since he was a kid. So that's 40, 50 years ago. And some time ago, Pablo's wife, Thelma, her, her parents were in the States in Texas, uh, a, 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 a I think it was a beer truck hit him and killed him. And Pablo and, uh, or Thelma, got a uh, um, settlement. And it wasn't great settlement. It's on $25,000. They built a house. And they've been there. They live in Reynosa. They're close to the Bible school. They're not pastoring right now, even though they have pastored. They're evangelizing now. They help at the Bible school. Monday. They showed up at their door. The cartel people with guns. And they said, our boss wants his house. You can either go or we'll kill you. It's up to you. If you go to the police, we'll kill you. It won't matter if you go to the police anyway because we run the police. So you can get your clothes and get out right now. And that was that. They took their house. And they have absolutely no recourse whatsoever. I said, Darren, what about the records? What about down at, down at the, don't, don't they, you know, have property deeds and everything? He said, they run that too. And something hit me in the gut. What are you going to do? I thought about if they showed up at our door and I said, get your wife, get your dad, get out. We're taking your house. And I don't mean they're taking it just for temporary. They're taking it for good. You lose it completely. It's gone. Over. And you have absolutely no recourse whatsoever. So the Spirit of the Lord just spoke to me and said, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Send a prayer for them? Say, brother, we, boy, we're praying for you, boy. We're praying for you. Or are you going to do something about it? I said, God, you've, you've blessed us. You've given us means that we didn't, didn't even think we'd have ever. I've been broke enough times that I didn't think I'd ever have any means. But those of you who have means in this world and see a brother... 
and shut up your bowels of compassion. That gut feeling, say, uh-uh, no, I'll let somebody else take care of it. This is not the love of God exercised in our life. There's a lot of needs out there, and I'm not saying this one particularly, but this is a, this is a minister of the gospel that we've supported for years, and they took their house, and they're on the street. They're having to be taken by others. And I said, Lord, we're going to do something. Mm-hmm. We're going to put a little action and a little reality into it. I want to pay them back. I want to give them back some money. Can the church say amen? So what I'm going to ask you is you didn't come prepared for this this morning. You didn't come ready to give any sum of money. But we're going to, we're going to give, Kay and I, and uh, we've already got checks made out. We're going to give. Because I want the Lord to know and I want them to know this is what God's church is all about. It's about helping the brethren. I'm going to tell you something. Everybody's talking about the collapse of the economy. That's what happened in 70 AD. The church, their, their economy collapsed. I wonder if they look back and said, I should have helped them. Man, I had some stuff and I should have helped people, but I didn't. If this economy collapses, I want to look back and say, Lord... I did. When I was able, when I had opportunity, I wanted to give. That's the Christian heart. Can everybody say amen? And so what I want you to do is I want you to go home and think about it. I know you're not prepared to give this morning. I am going to ask the brothers to get the bag, and uh, we're going to give. And if you, the Lord settles on your heart right now, puts it in your heart what to give, Husbands, talk to wives and and whatever it is that you want to do. If you want to settle that right now or if you want to come back and do it tonight and just make it out, put it, put in the note, uh, put in there Pablo or Guatemax, whatever, uh, we'll get that to him. We don't know what's going to happen. We're going to try and build him a house at the Bible school. Darren said, maybe we can build a house at the Bible school. I don't know what that would cost, but I want to be part of that. So well, I don't know the man. It doesn't matter doesn't matter. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. Lord, we just, we thank you this morning. Lord, I preached, and, and, it, and it is hard. This is a hard word, Lord, sometime. And they said, this is a hard word. Because, Lord, it, it rubs against what we're trying to do. We're trying to get money, and you're wanting us to learn how to give it. And so, we ask you this morning, we're going to give to this. We're going to give to Pablo and Thelma. They've the devil came and took everything they had. But Lord, your people are going to help in this. We pray, God, that you would just move on hearts. And as we go home, if people are here this morning that, that can give, Lord, as they go home, just deal with them, Lord. Put upon their heart the gut feeling of compassion towards us. We pray in your name, Jesus. Everyone say amen. Amen. Brothers, have you get, get the bags real quick. And, and Heather, come. And, and uh, just play something, doesn't matter, anything that you feel like playing. And uh, see, that's a message with a point. <laughs> What's your point, Pastor? Well, this is, this is the point. And uh, we're going to give to the Lord.